Why would he have all those stars and those planets out beyond what we can see? More than we could ever see. More water than we can ever fathom. More of everything than we can ever fathom. That's a great God that we serve. The sermon is broken into two parts this morning. I would like the children to come forward for a children's meeting. The second part of the message is dealing with encouragement to those who have new responsibilities for the Sunday school year. So if we could have the children come forward here, we will have a children's meeting. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible. Another one? Building up the temple. Building up the temple. Building up the temple. Building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. Building up the temple. Building up the temple. Building up the temple of the Lord. Say, brother, won't you help me? Sister, won't you help me? Building up the temple of the Lord. We as ministry ask that if there are sermon suggestions, they should be put in the back in the church box. And someone put in the question, are dinos real? Are dinosaurs real? And they wanted a sermon preached on that, and I decided I didn't have enough material for a whole sermon, but that I'm going to talk about the subject of are dinosaurs real? And I want parents to turn in their Bibles to the book of Job so that they can follow along a little bit as we think about some of the thoughts that are given here in the Bible regarding dinosaurs. That means that I believe that there are dinosaurs, right? If I said that the Bible speaks about it, then there are dinosaurs. Job chapter 40, starting at verse 15. Now, the question, are dinosaurs real, comes up with many people because they say, well, you know, how can we ever know what the fossil record is, how can we know how this all was, and did humans ever live when dinosaurs lived? People are fascinated by dinosaurs. Do you have any children's books that, that have a picture of a dinosaur in it? Does anybody have a picture? Me. Okay. Me. You do? Okay. 
It's an ABC book that has dinosaurs in it. And you know, there's a number of pictures out there that we think they're not really accurate. But we have found a dinosaur that is 90% complete. Founded in South Dakota in 1992, we have found a dinosaur that is 90% complete. And so that dinosaur has been sold to a museum in Chicago for eight million some dollars. A lot of money, right? But they sold this, this find and that is there for you to go and see. Now there's millions and millions of dinosaur fossils around our world. It's not just in South Dakota, it's in many, many countries of the world that there are dinosaurs. Now in Job, it uses a different word than dinosaur. It uses the word behemoth. And then in, verse, in chapter 41, it uses the word Leviathan. Now the word dinosaur didn't exist until 1841. That was a long time ago. But our Bibles, when they were translated into English, didn't even have the word dinosaur to use. Okay, so it's described in other words in the Old English, which is Leviathan and Behemoth, and occasionally the word dragon in the scripture refers to something that sounds very much like a dinosaur. What do you think of when you think of a dinosaur? Okay, what do you think of a big, big? Uh, somebody out there, what do you think of when you think of a dinosaur? Long tail. Does that go along with the description here in Job chapter 40? It says here about his tail is like a cedar in verse 17. Okay? What do you think of? I think of a zoo. A zoo? Do you think you could go and see a dinosaur if we went on a field trip? We don't think so. There may be a few alive yet, according to some scientists in some jungle areas. They've talked about sightings of them, but we don't know that. But most of the dinosaurs have become extinct, meaning they no longer live. Okay? But the Bible says that the beasts of the earth were created on the sixth day, and we believe that that's when the dinosaurs were created. Now, what are some other things that you think of when you think of dinosaurs? Adults? Strength, strong, okay. What else? That cedar is trees. The cedar and the trees are tail like a cedar, like a stable tree. Alma and I were in Montana a few weeks ago, and I put Alma up in, inside of a cedar tree. And the cedar tree had four different parts of it out, and she stood in the middle of it. And those, that cedar tree was over eight feet across in its diameter, okay? She got up in the middle of it. I got a picture I'll show you sometime if you come to our house and remind me. But the word cedar in our Bible gives the idea of strength, right? If the adults would read down through there in chapter 40, you would see a description if you read in chapter 41 about the different things of the Leviathan, you would see some things that 
sound like it's big and like it's dangerous and sound like it's something that you wouldn't want to meet on the road. Okay? Dinosaurs are the largest animals that ever lived on the earth. Some, though, were not just huge. Some were the size of a dog. Some the size of a chicken. So there was a big variety in dinosaurs. That T-Rex dinosaur that was 90% complete from South Dakota got the nickname of Sue. And they talk about the uh, size of that as being very, very extreme, very large. Many dinosaur fossils have been found in the flood layers. When the world was flooded, they found these fossils in those flood layers. How many of you have a fossil at your house? Does anybody have a fossil of anything? A stone that has in it an imprint of a leaf. Do you have a leaf? We have a stone. You have a, what is it? Do you know what it has in it? Markings, okay, seashells, leaves, uh, different animals, but it had to be covered quickly in order for it to be fossilized. Okay? There are seashells that we know are still not fossilized, but in our flood layer we found many, many. And you go to Peru, you go to China, you go to Indonesia, you go to the Congo in Africa. There's other places of stories of dinosaurs that existed. And I'm going to show you some pictures that he found in Peru. These are of Peru, of dinosaurs that were etched in stone. Okay? So they were etched in stone, and in the, that etching is also people. Okay? So it puts dinosaur and people at the same time frame. Now, many of our ungodly scientists don't think that's true, but we have found dinosaurs that still have cells in them that is not fossilized, meaning that it wasn't long enough yet for it to be fossilized. So there's still dinosaur remains that are being found, and those findings are showing that it's not uh, all fossilized yet. Soft tissue, they call it. And there's a lot of scientific papers about that, by the way that talk about the soft tissue, over 120 peer-reviewed papers that have reported about that, showing the dinosaur existed while humans existed. Some dinosaurs are two-legged, some are four-legged. Dinosaur eggs have been located. Now you have to think about that, which animals lay eggs and which one give birth to babies. Doesn't mean that all dinosaurs laid eggs, but it's possible. We know that many of them did lay eggs. They found one that was about the size of a football. We don't know a lot about it, but there are over 200 locations identified as having dinosaur eggs, and they're fossilized. These were buried at the time of Noah's flood, and we don't see eggs fossilizing today. Under normal circumstances, they had to be buried by the flood. Would you like to see a dinosaur? Would you like to see a dinosaur? Yes. How do we know that they exist? 
like to see a dinosaur? That's a piece of meat from a dinosaur. That's what they tell me. You couldn't prove it by me, but that's what the scientist tells me. I have this on loan from a scientist, from, or from someone that, that got it from a, a scientist. Okay. What do you think about that? Want it for lunch? We're hostess today. Maybe we could have it for lunch. <laughs> I am going to let you pick it up because it has some weight to it. And I guess I won't use this plate because it might not last the up and down of everyone. But pick that up so you can say you touched. No, you just pick this up and set it back down again, OK? Feel that? Now turn it over a minute. See right there? Can you see the cells of the animal in there? Okay, next person. Okay, so dinosaurs would have been kind people at the time of Adam until sin came because Adam was friends with all the animals, remember? He named all the animals. Again, the word dinosaur didn't come until 1841, so we don't have him having that name for them. Would you like to touch it? No? A little scary? I want you to remember this children's meeting. Are dinosaurs real? You can say you touched it. Just put your finger on there and touch it. You touch it? Yeah, yeah just touch it. There you go. Okay, don't want to touch it? No? Want to touch it? See? Do you want to pick it up? Okay, that answers the question, are dinosaurs real? To my satisfaction, we won't have it for lunch. It's fossilized. It's all taken care of. It's there for us to see evidence. There are dinosaur fossil graveyards all over the place today. And I wanted to bring back from Idaho and Montana a bone for you, so you can see an actual bone. They wanted 800 and some dollars at the store for it. I said, well, I'm not going to do that. So then I decided, well, I'll go on a dig, and we'll dig one up and bring it back. Well, they wanted $225 a day to go on the dig, and they said, no, if you find one, it's ours. We couldn't even bring it home because it was on federal ground. So this is the best we could do. That's a piece of dinosaur meat, according to the officials. Okay, let's pray. God, thank you for all the creatures that you have given to us. Thank you for the beauty of creation with variety. Bless these children as they live each day. Help them to grow up understanding what the truth is and not to be deceived by those that want to present that there isn't a God or that there isn't uh, the existence of dinosaurs with humans or animals weren't created by God. I just pray, Lord, you'd help us to be truthful and to know what is right. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may go back to your parents. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I've entitled the message, Facing the Inconceivable. As some of you have new responsibilities for this year, I was thinking about that, thinking about the blessing of a church that has people willing to take responsibility. And yet there's some things that are scary, and I heard some people talk about that already 
after they became a Sunday school teacher, they became involved in, in a position in the church, and they wondered, you know, can I do this? But they, they said it was good for them when they got finished. They said it did something for them. And that's the way God wants it to be. I use the word inconceivable because it looks improbable that we'll succeed, or it's impossible to fully know how it's going to come. Some of you are teachers, and you might say, this is the first time. I don't know how this is going to go. But the reality is God's called you to that, and you have that responsibility. We want to encourage you in it. Now, Samuel, the books of Samuel are great literary works, and they clearly describe scenes that get our attention. And the one this morning is about David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. I'll read part of this chapter. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shokah, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shokah and Azekah in Ephesidim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, approximately nine feet, nine inches, somewhere, give or take there. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass upon his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. His spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, 15 to 20 pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now let's turn over to verse 23. Second part of verse 23. Uh, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines. Uh, let's start verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage, ran unto the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free of Israel. Meaning, well, you don't have to pay taxes anymore. His family doesn't have to pay any taxes because, well, they just needed this obstacle done away with. Goliath. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth his Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
The people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And he goes on and he speaks about that. Verse 32, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing it defied the armies of the living God. And David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto him, David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. The next few verses speak about the armor that Saul wanted him to bear. And he said, no, I can't bear that. Verse 42, when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord be deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee. And take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah rose and shouted, pursued the Philistines until they come to the valley, to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Shearim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent." Inconceivable, inconceivable that one person would stand up to a giant like this. Facing the inconceivable. Whatever your responsibilities in the church are, you've been called to do it. You have a responsibility to do your best and to use the gifts that God has given you. 
David had a measly little slingshot like this. They say this is how they had put the stone in here and they'd swing that around and they would throw that. It would throw the stone. He had a measly little slingshot. But you know, it wouldn't matter whether Goliath had an automatic weapon or not because God was with him. He used what he had and he was willing to be used and God raised up a nation who was confident again because of his willingness to use what he had and to go in the name of the Lord. Saul had disappointed God and said that, and God had said to him that, you know, you're not a man after my own heart any longer. You've gone the wrong way, and I'm going to replace you. And David was the replacement. Even before this, he was anointed in chapter 16. And it says here that David was the one chosen to take the place of leadership. But here he is. Here he is, a man that is, is supposed to uh, represent God to the nation. David comes here, and David comes, and David is willing to be used of God. I have four points this morning, and it's going along with the name bigger. We're talking about big animals, big whatever, bigger. I guess that's what came to my mind. But what is, what is bigger? Which is bigger? The task of shepherding the sheep? or the task of fighting Goliath? Which was the bigger task? Well, we know the answer to that in our own eyes. But really, think about it. It's not the bigness that is the issue. It's the faithfulness that's the issue. It's doing what we're asked to do. The devil knows how to appear overwhelming and to make something look out of reach. And it is out of reach, except God is on our side. It is inconceivable that we could ever accomplish anything good, but God is on your side. And when you take that job seriously, even if you're an usher, who knows what experience you might have ushering someone into this church and the difference you might make in their life because you said hi and you said, it's good to have you here and blessings to you. Or whether you are a trustee that keeps the place looking decent. Or whether you are a person who has the responsibility to lead the singing. You don't know what you're going to do to affect the spiritual life of this congregation this year. Do it. Give your best. Put yourself into it. Does the size of the responsibility really matter? No. It's that we're faithful. The second thing is, which was bigger? The spear or the slingshot? The spear was 15 pounds on the head of it. That's a sledgehammer plus. It's a heavy thing. A giant could throw that. Intimidating. We didn't read, but the giant came here and he said, please send somebody over so we can have a one-on-one -on -one so that we don't need two armies to go into a disarray. Let's just settle this one-on-one. -on -one. And for 40 days he said that. He wanted them to believe that, you know, there was, there was fear here. They, they, they did believe that they couldn't conquer because of this one thing, and that was the giant. We didn't read it, but David went down into the, into the uh, brook, and he picked up five stones, okay? And he used how many of them to kill Goliath? Anyone? One of them. Just one of them he used, but he had these other things. And you and I sometimes have these things that come in our way, and we say, I can't do this because of this. 
We make an excuse like Moses made an excuse. I'm not eloquent. I can't do this. God is saying, put that one to death. We might have fear of people. Put that one to death and remember, we're doing this in the name of the Lord. And, you know, you can come up with whatever you want, whether it's discouragement at times, whatever it is. Remember, we are doing this because God's called us to, and he wants to work right along beside of us. The spear was useless when the slingshot, the stone, hit the mark. The weapon didn't really matter. Remember, Saul tried to give David his armor, but it was too heavy and too awkward. He wasn't used to it. We can't use somebody else's gift. We can't try to be like somebody else. We have to be like God made us to be. And we have to try to use what we have and not complain about what we do not have. Fourth, thirdly, who was bigger, Goliath or David? Nine foot six or nine foot nine, whatever it is, against a young man? Some estimates of Goliath's weight are seven, eight hundred pounds. The normal build of a man of that height. The tallest man in the Guinness World Book of Records, I think, is eight foot something, and he was 400 and some pounds, but he was kind of a weakling. He, didn't, he wasn't healthy because his hormones or whatever, his body was not healthy, and that's how he got to be that size. But it'd be nine foot six or thereabouts to have a frame and to have. Okay, could have been that kind of weight. Well, it was inconceivable to go one-on-one -on -one with him. But does it really matter who was the tallest or who was the most experienced? If God has called us to do it, let's do it. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him, that desires to serve him. And that's exactly what David wanted to do. He was willing to serve. Was he a perfect man? No, he wasn't. But the challenge for us is to remember that our lives are making a difference in other people's lives and to live in a life of holiness, a life of purity. When we have responsibilities before others, we need to take seriously that call to holiness. Everyone does, but in a position where you're serving other people, God's power can't work through a dirty vessel, one that is not repented, one that is carrying guilt and shame that hasn't been dealt with. The fourth point, God showed himself bigger than the situation. The Israelites were cowards. They just cowered away when this big man came out and put his threats his brothers, David's brothers, also wonder what he's doing down here. Why are you here? And they jeered at him and said, you know, you shouldn't be here. Get out of here. What are you trying to accomplish? The enemies showed contempt to him. In fact, Samson even, or Goliath even put a uh, curse on him. Went to his gods to put a curse on him. But that's nothing when we have God on our side. The devil is not as strong as he appears. God showed himself bigger than the situation. I mentioned earlier about Moses. Remember when he was at the burning bush and God said, I am what I am. 
And Moses made excuses. And he didn't want to go and do what God asked him to do. He got his eyes on himself instead of on God. Sometimes you look at the wrong I, the wrong I am. We need to look at what God said, that he is the I am. He's bigger than the situation. So in 1 Samuel 17, and in your life, what is the giant? Who is the giant in 1 Samuel 17, and who really is the dwarf? We are stronger than we appear when the Lord is interceding for us, when he's giving us the responsibility that we need to face what looks to be impossible for us. We just can't imagine how this is going to work out. It's inconceivable that I'm going to contribute anything to anyone else. But God said, there's a place for you to fill. Fill it and use what you have for his glory. The story in 1 Samuel 17 is the story of the supernatural power of God. And you want your story and I want my story to be about the supernatural power of God as well. As a congregation, we've been given a list of the responsibilities for the next Sunday school year. People in their positions. I just want to challenge us this week to take that list and pray through that in your prayer life. Pray for those that have new responsibilities, big or small, whatever it may seem to them. Each one is big. Each one is important. Each one is needed for the church to function properly. Let's encourage. We want to thank those who have done their job this past Sunday school year. And uh, pray that God would bless you for how you've served in that way. Let's kneel together for prayer. Father, you've been faithful to us. We thank you for the opportunities to live and to serve you. And I just pray that your kingdom may go on because of willing people. Thank you for this church and the gifts and abilities that are here. I pray you continue to raise up uh, the next generation to serve you, to be faithful to you, to desire to represent you well. Bless each person today, whatever their fears may be, in life, whatever their things may be that are taking them down, help them to remember that you are with them and you are bigger than all those things. In Jesus' name, amen.